0: Welcome to this special edition of the Fremantle Press podcast. My name is Helen Milroy and I really love kids' books. I'm also an author and illustrator. I love hosting this podcast because we get to talk to some really fabulous and interesting people about their books. And I have someone especially important today. In fact, it's someone who's been quite an inspiration to me throughout my life. So today, I'd like to welcome along to our podcast, Gladys Milroy. Now, Gladys Milroy also happens to be my mum. Now, Gladys is an elder of the Pelku people of the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Throughout her life, Glad has always been a strong advocate for improving the well-being of Aboriginal people and believes that family, culture and land are central to this. As part of the Stolen Generations, Glad spent most of her childhood years in the Parkerville orphanage, however was able to maintain a very strong connection with her mother Daisy, and together they raised Glad's five children, of which I was the youngest. Glad has had a very successful and varied career. She has owned and run businesses, managed art galleries and festivals, and is an artist, author and illustrator. She's a highly regarded speaker and educator regarding cultural issues and has been actively involved for many years in the native title claim for our palco mob up in the Pilbara. Now in her 90s, Gladys is still writing stories, advocating for land rights, and supporting family. Welcome to today's podcast, Mum. Thanks, Helen. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Mum, tell us a little bit about yourself first.
1: I guess I grew myself up because I was taken away and put in orphanage at the age of two years old. So I was there for about 14 years. So that was my childhood, being in an orphanage.
0: Do you remember any books growing up? And if so, was there one that really stuck out for you?
1: Well, I guess uh, the education wasn't very good. So once I did learn to read, I was absolutely... In my element, I just loved books. But the trouble was there were, you know, few books that we had to read. There was no library or anything like that. Only a few odds and ends that were donated by people, mostly magazines, a few kids' books or something. I guess my favourite book in the whole area there was um, a cake book, a cookbook, a cake book that was full of gorgeous cakes that was my favourite book for a while, till I was older, of course, and that, I suppose it was Anna of Green Gables. But um, I still love cakes.
0: So why did Anna of Green Gables have a special place for you?
1: I don't know. Maybe it was the sort of life I visualised having I would like to have had. So I was very much probably envious, I suppose, because my life wasn't anything like that.
0: How did you first become interested Maybe at what age did you start thinking about your own stories? Well, (laughs) I think the thing is
1: about growing up in an orphanage that you live in a little story all the time because that's the way you survive. Oh, Helen, I had to have stories. I wouldn't have survived. Um, So there was somehow this make-believe world. I remember there was a dog at the orphanage. Well, imagine... All these kids wanted to pet the dog. There was one dog. um, I never got to pet it, but I always wanted a dog. And One day I was walking to school and I saw this rock in the bush and it just looked like a dog. And I thought, oh, you know. So every morning when I go to school, I'd call out, hello, dog, in the morning. And then one morning I was rushing to school and I've got to say hello and I heard this dog barking. And so I had Nick back, gave him a pat and went to school. And I thought, on a Sunday when we were allowed to go in the bush, I'd I'd go and sit with the dog. So anyhow, I went and thought, I'll make him a little garden out the front. So I made a little garden for him, even found an old bone in the bush. And I sat next to the dog and we were facing the sun and the dog was nice and warm. So it was, you know, like I had this real dog. I suppose that was the first time... I had the idea of having this little world of my own. That's probably influenced me later
0: with story writing. So Mum, you've told me sometimes about how your stories come to you. Would you like to tell our listeners how you get your stories?
1: A lot of the stories I get at night when I'm dreaming, I often dream a story or sometimes I'll just be outside, I might just see something, maybe something in the garden or something like that. And it just sets off some sort of, it's not actually a memory, but it's like a story. When I get a story, it's like all in colour, and I'm part of it, and I'm in that story, and that's what I love about it. It's like I'm in this beautiful story that I am writing.
0: So that idea of you being in the story when you get it, is that a bit like when you were a kid and had that make-believe world? I
1: think so. It's like I'm watching a movie, but I'm part of it. And not only that, a lot of my stories, I just cry. I cry at the start. I get very moved by my own stories, which I don't know if everybody gets like that, but I do. When the story's happy, I'm happy. And when... (laughs) <laughs> when it's not here, I'm sitting at the desk boiling.
0: So there's so, a lot of emotion in the stories.
1: I, and I feel the emotion. That, maybe that's why I feel
0: part of it so much. So with the dreaming, how does that work? Do you wake up with a fully formed story in the morning or do you have a series of dreams? I feel that's more the Aboriginal
1: side of me because I'll often have old people come to me, see my mum. Then there's stories I remember because when we found our family... The big thing was you went up there at already else you would have a big barbecue. Everybody would turn up somehow. Everybody knew we were coming. After the barbecue everybody would sit there and there was always a storyteller. And actually I had two uncles who were both storytellers and both were quite you know, <laughs> used to argue with each other who was the best. And I think It's an Aboriginal thing, and I'm sure there's probably Aboriginal people that have that same thing, but there were always stories. We were in
0: our community, and there were always stories there. So some of the stories come from your ancestors?
1: Yes, but they're not their stories I'm telling. Sometimes it's almost as if I've been told to write about something, especially when it's the environment being affected with the mining. You know, I've always felt like growing up with trees with my family... I always felt safe and loved, if I was sitting under a tree or near a tree, because going back into the
0: house where we lived wasn't safe. So your safe place was in the bush? My safe place was always
1: in the bush. Mm.
0: I guess one of the hallmarks of uh, Indigenous or Aboriginal storytelling is that everything is connected, and so stories about connection to land or animals are really prominent in these sorts of stories.
1: Well, I, I always felt I could talk to them. I remember there was a wheat field that we were never allowed to go into, but one of the kids had cut a hole in the barbed wire fence and there was nothing as beautiful as lying in a field of wheat. And it was so high and and it was all the all the fruit was on the the uh, wheat and just looking up at the sky and uh, I used to have this little grey wallaby used to sit with me, and um, she was beautiful. she She had a she had a beautiful face, just like a mother, and we would would sit and talk. So I guess maybe that wasn't real, but it was very real to me.
0: So being in nature was like being with family.
1: Be yeah, that's right. Be with nature was like that.
0: How long did it take you to write a story? If you got that inspiration or you got that dream how long would it take well
1: I don't know it doesn't leave me alone I've just simply got to sit there and do it because it follows me and it it adds more all the time so and sometimes the ending's quite hard and I I don't get the ending and I've got to wait and wait and wait until I've got that proper ending sometimes I can write it in a day other time it might take weeks You know, I I wrote a novel recently and it took me about three years.
0: You were involved some time ago in writing some little story readers for younger children. What were you hoping that the kids would get out of those books?
1: I think children, they're the ones that have got to take care of the environment. We're leaving it to our children to solve it. I just think we've missed the boat. And now it's up to the kids to repair the damage.
0: And you think they'll get that from some of the stories? Well, I think
1: so. If they start young enough and they're taught the right lesson, that we all live together, we're all part of each other, we all belong to each other. We don't belong to big buildings. We don't belong to television. We belong to nature. We're all part of nature.
0: So, with your illustrating, you said that sometimes you only do a single illustration.
1: I almost write the whole story in the illustration. So, say the has uh, stories about uh, a dingo, or something like that. I don't just draw a dingo, I almost draw the whole story that I've written. I just do one big picture that embodies the whole story in a way. That seems to be the way I do it. I found it
0: hard just to draw little bits. So there's a way of reading the story through the words and then a second way of reading the story through the picture.
1: Well, I think often when you read a book, you skip through a lot of it and you have to read it again to really learn from it. I suppose by doing the illustration, they almost read the story twice and get the message.
0: You've done a lot of things in your career. Many things, actually. I'm impressed. But do you think your love of storytelling has always been there throughout whatever you've done?
1: You know, sometimes I feel like I've had about six different lives. Every life has a different story, even now up into my old age. This is a different life again now. And I'm getting more stories now than I did years ago, I think because I'm not making memories anymore. But I'm writing stories, which is so strange. The memories I've got now are all, all of my past life. But the stories, I think, are for the future because I'm so worried about what's happening in the world and I'm, and, and I'm also, I suppose, worried for our race as, an Aboriginal, as Aboriginal people. We're a very, very small percentage of Australia mm. population.
0: So... I guess what I can take from some of that is that you're never too old to keep writing stories.
1: You're never too old and you're never too it. A lot of stories, I mean, I must have written about 40 stories. They're not for publication. My stories are because I enjoy them. Some of them are stories just for my family because they're personal. Uh, some of them you simply, I just don't want to publish, publish them. You know, I don't do it for, I think I'm going to be famous and make
0: a lot of, Money out of it because it's something I enjoy doing. But you sometimes also get stories for people. Is that right? And you wrote a story for me. A story for you. You did.
1: I know. I got a story for you, but you won't let me publish it. <laughs> no, <you can laughs> and publish- I don't want to because that's your story. And I've I've written a story for all you kids, but I don't want it. I don't want to be published. They're your personal, personal story.
0: You said you have a lot of emotion that goes into your stories. Um, how How do you come out of the end of that? Is that something that keeps you going or is it a little bit of a burden? How do you cope with those emotions when you're writing your stories?
1: I find it very hard when it's a sad ending. I find I grieve about it for a while. It's like with memories, you know, I get a lot of memories. You can't control memory. And it's like, You know, you you have these happy memories, but you've always got those memories creeping in, the bad memories that that take over. And, And so it's sort of like that. It's trying to remember all the happy things and not let those bad memories intrude. And I think when you're writing books too that you have to... You know, there always has to be an ending, but there's always two sides to a story. Sometimes it can be really happy and sometimes it can be really sad, but then that's life.
0: Do you think having those emotions with the stories helps you to express your emotions a bit more freely? The main thing with writing it, has got to be true. You can't
1: have all this happiness. Life's not like that. It's not real. It's very hard in children's books to not have that sadness in but it is life. It is part of life. What are you currently working on? I've been writing a lot of stories about trees. Actually, I'm going to send one in here. I don't know how it'll go. <laughs> Give Good, luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good
1: luck. Good um, luck. I feel like, like, you know, how the elders come to me, sometimes I, I feel that's what trees do too. And I have to tell their story mm. and tell what's happening. In nature everything has a song, trees have a song and they're not singing that song so much anymore because the birds aren't there mm. and I think that's very important because if we lose it lose the song of our land what's there? Nobody will be singing anymore.
0: What would you like to tell the audience about the importance of stories and storytelling for children. I think people have to be very
1: honest and truthful with their kids. Don't dress it up and fancy it up. They need to see the truth. With The stories that I like to write are giving children some sense, maybe I hope, of what the world should be the world where there's honesty and truthfulness and love, especially love of all things
0: living. Have you got any tips for budding writers and illustrators?
1: Oh, I think dream your dreams. And uh, if you've got a story, write it. I found that writing was the
0: best healing I ever had. So my final question was going to be, what is the best thing for you personally? You've partly answered that, but if you had to pick something that you've really benefited out of your life from all the stories that you've written, what would it be?
1: It's given me a new lease of life. I've enjoyed it. I love the stories. Sometimes I go back and read them and my poetry. I I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So I don't know, maybe it's just
0: given me, me happiness. Any final words for our audience today? Be happy. I would like the children
1: to grow up in a wonderful world of their making because they've been taught the truth. They've come to love country, love being children. They've had that lovely environment, not learning just from books, but having a happy family. So... I'm hoping that what children grow up with is happiness and caring
0: for others. Well, listeners, you've been hearing about the wonderful world of stories according to Gladys Milroy, my mum. If you'd like to read one of Gladys' stories, then Eagle, Crow and Emu is published by Fremantle Press and is available through all good bookstores or online at fremantlepress.com.au. If you enjoyed our chat today, subscribe to the Fremantle Press podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Helen Milroy, and I have been your host today. Join me next time as we continue our journey into everything books. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Helen.